Hi, I'm Scott Hervey with Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Josh Escovito with Weintraub Tobin. Welcome to another installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Scott, I understand there's an update on Geo Group's uh, def- defamation case against Netflix. Yeah, that's right. Uh, last week, Geo Group dismissed its defamation lawsuit against Netflix. Um, for and we covered this previously, but let's. I think it's interesting to give a little recap, and then we can talk about the dismissal. So, Geo Group they operate private uh, private prisons and detention centers, and the producers of the Netflix program Messiah used the Geo Group logo in the third and fourth episodes of that show Messiah, where the character is detained at an immigration facility in Texas, which is identified with the Geo logos, uh, Geo Group's logos. And apparently the episodes show Geo detaining immigrants in overcrowded, overheated rooms with chain link cages and depriving them of beds, bedding, sunshine, recreation, and educational opportunities. In its complaint, Geo insists that it does not house people in overcrowded rooms with chain link cages at its facilities, but instead it provides beds, bedding, air conditioning, indoor and outdoor recreational spaces, soccer fields, classrooms, libraries, and other amenities. That's correct. Uh, According to the pictures attached to Geo's complaint, uh, when it filed the complaint, Geo alleged that Netflix presents the Geo facility as a particularly shabby, uh, rundown place. Uh, where people are portrayed as spending their days and nights in cramped, overcrowded rooms and chain link cages. Uh, Geo accused Netflix of portraying the facility uh, in a defamatory manner, in an untrue manner. And Geo sued Netflix and the producers of Messiah for trademark infringement. But what we found more interesting was their defamation claim. So on a motion to dismiss, Netflix claimed that Geo blew this all out of proportion. Netflix claimed that Geo's logos on guard uniforms and buses and the facilities were barely visible or fleeting and uh, background material. What was more interesting was Netflix uh, Netflix argument uh, relying on the First Amendment protections. Netflix was extremely aggressive uh, in, in those arguments and um, basically told the court that the lawsuit should be tossed because Geo's claims are based on 28 seconds of snippets in two episodes of the show. And also that Netflix portrayal of Geo Uh, and use of Geo's logos was protected by the First Amendment. In its motion to dismiss, Netflix claims that Geo's case should be dismissed under the Rogers test, which we've talked about frequently uh, on the briefing. Apparently, the judge wasn't necessarily in agreement. The judge repeatedly questioned the artistic relevance in using the Geo mark and said that it wasn't clear to him, which is interesting in and of itself, Scott, since we talk about this very low bar about the, the requirement to be deemed artistic for purposes of the Rogers test. Right. But I think that it's interesting. Maybe the judge was conflating the the defamation lawsuit and the, you know, the Rogers test, which looks at the use of a trademark infringement claim, which looks at the use of a third party trademark in an artistic work. Um, But apparently after the motion to dismiss was denied, Netflix and Geo engaged in some discovery scuffles. Last week, Netflix opposed the magistrate judge's decision to deny some of Netflix's uh, request for more information. 
including discovery regarding the actual conditions of GEO's detention centers. Netflix argued um, that uh, substantial truth is a defense to GEO's claims that its image has been ruined. And as we know, truth is an, a, an absolute defense to any type of defamation claim. So apparently, after the motion to dismiss was denied, uh, Netflix and GEO engaged in some discovery scuffles. Last week, Netflix opposed a magistrate judge's decision to deny some of Netflix's requests for more information, including discovery aimed at the actual conditions of GEO's detention centers. Obviously, Netflix uh, was arguing that, you know, substantial truth is a defense to GEO's claim of defamation, which is absolutely the case. And Netflix wanted to rebut uh, GEO's claim that they were injured and that Netflix showed their supposedly pristine uh, conditions of their detention facilities and that GEO's pristine reputation had been damaged uh, by uh, Netflix portrayal of GEO in um, the television show. Uh, well, um, you know, Netflix wrote in its brief, quote, yet plaintiffs refused to allow Netflix to test the alleged, quote, real life conditions of their facilities as alleged in their complaint. I, I, Josh, I feel that Netflix eventually was going to get that because truth is an absolute defense to a defamation claim and you know, Gio is going to have to relent on that. So I don't know. I mean, it was very surprising when on May 1st, Gio dismissed its complaint with prejudice. Uh, is it that surprising though, Scott? Or, you well, know? Well, I mean, you know, the, what is it? The Shakespearean line, thou doth protest too much comes to mind here, right? I mean, you really have to be careful, right? And then this is, I guess, a lesson for, for those that don't like the way their brand might be portrayed uh, in a, an artistic work, if they're going to allege that their brand is defamed, like you better make sure that your brand is pristine because the, the defendant has the right to investigate the truth and prove the truth of their allegations because truth is a defense. And I suppose the CEO of the Geo Group could have kept quiet as well. I mean, with a lawsuit like this, and it seems like they didn't want anybody poking around in their business. And he was so outspoken about how Netflix had defamed their their system and their company. And it looks it looks kind of bad when they then dismiss the claim before Netflix has a chance to come in and check out the real conditions. I'm not a political attorney, but uh, and I don't play one on television, but like, I, I think this just really runs bad for Geo Group, right? I mean, you make these allegations that um, the way that their, their detention facilities are portrayed in the show are so far away from the truth. And then, and then you sue uh, the broadcaster for defamation. And then when the broadcaster wants to investigate the actual conditions of the detention facility to, a, to show, truth as a defense, you dismiss, dismiss the complaint. Like, I don't know, if I were Congressional Oversight Committee or Homeland Security or whoever it is that's paying GeoGroup to detain uh, 
whoever's being detained there, mostly immigrants. Uh, I don't know. I would maybe look into this because it just doesn't smell good. So that's a lesson, right? Lesson number one for lawsuits. Don't bring a lawsuit if you don't want to air your dirty laundry in public. I think that's a valuable lesson, Scott. Right, so, Thank you. but let's get on to um, really what I wanted to talk about here, which was uh, the fact that New York finally passed a post-mortem right of publicity statute. It actually was passed last year and it took 180 days to come into effect. And so it's, it's just now come into effect. New, York, New York's previous right of publicity laws, they were actually an extension of New York's statutory right of privacy laws which provided that any person whose name or likeness is used within New York for advertising or trade purposes without their written consent can sue for an injunction or damages. Now, because the past statute addressed privacy concerns and those dissipate at death, uh, the rights did not extend post-mortem. And New York courts have held that the state's laws afford no common law right of publicity. So, that all they had was the statutory grant and that expired when the celebrity expired. So New York's law now brings it closer to California, which has had post-mortem protection for the right of publicity of celebrities and personalities since 1985. Under the new New York law, successors and in interests of personalities and performers who pass away after the statute takes effect in May of 2021 or six days ago, uh, we'll have a cause of action for certain forms of unauthorized exploitation. Right. And the statute defines what qualified personalities and qualified performers are. A qualified personality is a New York resident uh, whose name, voice, signature, photograph, or likeness has commercial value at the time of or because of their death. Uh, this protection is granted uh, well, the protection is against unauthorized use and it lasts for 40 years from their death. Now, a qualified performer is someone residing in New York at the time of their death that had regularly acted, sang, danced, or played a musical instrument. And the statute has a specific prohibition against unauthorized use of a, a deceased performer's digital replica. And the statute actually uh, also specifically addresses pornographic deepfakes. Now, these postmortem rights, the postmortem rights attached to a performer, they don't expire, unlike a personality. I understand that similar statutes had been proposed numerous times, but seemed to fail over First Amendment concerns. That's right. There was concern about balancing out the First Amendment concerns against right of publicity concerns. And the statute created carve-outs for the use of uh, deceased personalities likeness in a wide variety of, I guess what you would say, creative works, right? Books, plays, magazines, newspapers, uh, et cetera. Uh, likewise, a uh, same thing for the use of a deceased performer's uh, likeness, right? They're allowed to be used in uh, creative works, works of parody, satire, commentary, uh, criticism, uh, and the like. Um, and also in news and public affairs and sports programs, they're not liable for using the likeness of a deceased personality or a deceased celebrity. I also noted that the statute isn't retroactive, so it does nothing to protect the post-mortem uh, right of publicity of Marilyn Monroe. 
Uh, Marilyn Monroe, when she died, her estate claim, even though she was living in California, her estate claim uh, New York as her legal domicile for tax purposes. Now, at that time, California had recognized postmortem right of publicities. New York did not. And when the Monroe estate attempted to control the use of her image by third parties, the Ninth Circuit uh, ruled that the Monroe estate did not have a valid right of publicity claim. Now, had New York's, this new law been in place at the time of her death, uh, Ms. Monroe's estate may have been able to uh, enforce post-mortem right of publicity. Without these rights though, the estate has relied on and continues to rely on trademark rights to curb misuses of her name and her likeness. And that's interesting, Scott. Well, I suppose at least they weren't without some remedy. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Scott. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. And if you're interested in more content like this, please uh, check out our YouTube channel and see our blog at the IPLawBlog.com.